the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's talk faith.com. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. That's what we're talking about here. If somebody puts you down, if somebody accuses you of something, especially if it's not true, uh, sometimes we're accused of things that they're a little bit of truth to, and then we really get annoyed. Uh, don't think that you deserve better. You don't. Few things in life are more infuriating than being accused of something we did not do. Our anger seems justified, but is it really? We'll consider that and how to deal with anger today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is teaching from the life of King David. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. David was one of the greatest men who ever lived and clearly the greatest king who ever ruled Israel. But, like all of us, he had a flaw or two. Let's continue the study we began last time and see how David dealt with his anger. I had a wake-up call about this uh, several weeks ago. And uh, I've, I experience wounded pride. Every few weeks, our, um, our mime evangelism team uh, has gone down to Clearwater Beach, and they put on a mime, and a uh, crowd gathers around, hopefully. And uh, they take whoever takes literature, then we, we, uh, we witness to them, and we'll take it as far as we can. Well, you've seen, the, most of you have seen, uh, we put on the King of Hearts mime here, and you have a little Velcro heart that uh, the person who plays Jesus takes off, and puts it on the ground. Well, at the beach, it was a little windy. A little windy, and, and one of those Velcro hearts was blowing away. So I reached down, and I picked it up. Now, I'm not dressed like somebody in the mime. Everybody in the mime is in black, uh, except the person who plays Jesus, who's in white. So I picked down, I, I reached down, I picked up that, that Velcro heart, I put it in my back pocket. All of a sudden, a woman taps me on the shoulder, and, said, and she says to me, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, you give that back to them. This is a church group, and you don't steal from them. And I said, uh, oh, it gets better. It gets better. I said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm, and the mime's going on now. I want to talk too loud. I said, uh, you know, you don't understand. I'm with the mime. She said, yeah, right. She said, I'm going to be watching you. And uh, you know, that really bugged me. The whole night, it just bothered me. And it bothered me because I thought, doesn't she know who I am? She thinks I'm a common thief. And worse than a common thief, I steal Velcro hearts from churches. I mean, think about that. If I'm going to steal something, I'm going to steal a little Velcro heart. And what am I going to sell it on the black market? I mean, so I thought, wow, how dare she do that? And um, you know what it was? It, It was just my pride. It's just my pride. And that woman thinks I'm a, com- a Velcro heart thief. And, um, and that's what we're talking about here. If somebody puts you down, if somebody accuses you of something, especially if it's not true, 
Uh, sometimes we're accused of things that there are a little bit of truth to, and then we really get annoyed. Uh, don't think that you deserve better. You don't. We're, we're really uh, all sinners. Uh, we don't have any rights. If we got what we deserve, we'd all go to hell. And that is theologically accurate. That is the truth. And you can't think, who do they think I am? I'll tell you who. I don't care who they think you are, but who God says you are is a sinner saved by grace, deserving nothing. Everything we have is from God, and it's his mercy and his grace. And if you struggle in that area, then get before God and ask him to build deep humility into your life. He'll send a few of those women around who did that to me. He'll send people like that. Don't chafe under that. Don't resist that, but respond to that properly. That's God's doing. And, and that's why we get so angry in the first place. In fact, uh, hold your place in 1 Samuel 20, 25. And then if you turn to James chapter, uh, James chapter 4, I want you to see that James tells us what it's all about. This is not my opinion of this. James tells us in one of the great verses about anger, James 4, 1 and 2. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? What's the source? That's what we're talking about. What is it that causes us to have conflicts with other people? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? That means to say you want something and you don't get it. Because he says in verse 2, you lust and do not have. Not talking about sexual lust here. Talking about lust is is the word for desire. You have a strong desire for something. You desire and do not have. So you commit murder. And you're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. What he's probably talking about is not physical murder, but but anger. Such anger in your heart. Why is it that we have such anger so that uh, God says this anger is, is murder in my sight? It's because we want something and somebody stands in our way and says, you can't get it. It's a source of anger. That's why we have our temper tantrums, because we think we have something coming to us when we really don't. That's the source of our anger. But now we, haven't, we still haven't answered this question. How come David wasn't vengeful with Saul, but he's set on killing Nabal and, and his shepherds? And I don't think it's just because uh, Saul was the king. I think that's part of it. But I think the answer is this. It's because with Saul, David had been on his guard. He was prepared for this. He had thought long and hard about Saul. He was ready for something like this. He had come to expect such behavior from Saul. It was not new. But Nabal's insults were not expected. And David was caught off guard. He didn't expect anybody like this to insult him, where he did expect it from Saul. He had lived with this for so long. Now, I think this gives us insight as to why we fall. Why one day you can get a handle on your anger and the next day you don't. It's because we don't prepare ourselves for the temptations of a new day. The, the victories that the Lord has given you in, uh, yesterday or gave you yesterday over anger will not sustain you today. They don't carry over. It's a moment-by-moment moment preparation. You may have handled, and this is what often happens, you may have handled a big problem yesterday because you prayed about it, you, you uh, leaned on the Lord, you held on to scripture, you knew this was coming, and you really did well because you did what was right. You, you leaned on the Lord, you were prepared. But then today, you're crushed in a moment like that. Why? Because you think that the battle is over, and you're very vulnerable. 
Because today you are not leaning on the Lord. You are not prayed up as you should. You, you are not holding on to scripture. You thought the battle was past. And there's still a little more war going on. And that's what happens. That's what happens. Someone said this. We are most vulnerable when we are coming off our most successful experiences. Isn't this what the Apostle Paul meant when he said that uh, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We tend to think I can handle it. I handled it yesterday, but you're not ready for it today. You know, it was a, a great example of this in the Bible. Pride and prayerlessness go together. You're not prepared. Remember Jesus said to, to Peter, in fact, I'll turn there in Mark chapter 14. Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, in Mark 14, said to all the disciples, verse 26, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to, him, you'll all, said to them, you'll all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. You're all going to fall away. No one's going to stand with me. But after he said, I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Now, he said to all the disciples, listen, this night you're all going to fall away. Not one of you is going to stand with me. Now, Peter says, said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. Sounds good, doesn't it? But it wasn't good. What he was saying is, Jesus, I'm better than these guys. What you're saying applies to them. They'll fall away, but not me. Not me. Jesus goes on to tell him, Peter, you're worse than them. You're not only going to fall away, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter goes on to say, he kept in verse 31, Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. They're all saying the same thing. That's called pride. I'm better than them. I don't care. Oh, the, word, the Old Testament said that I'll fall away. I'm telling you, I won't. God doesn't know what he's talking about. And what he's telling the Lord is, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to handle it tonight. Well, you know the story as it, as it unfolds. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane and our Lord says to uh, Peter, James, and John, you stay here and you pray. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Notice verse, uh, verse 37. After he says, pray that you don't enter into temptation, he, said, he came and he found them sleeping and said to them, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Why did Peter fall? Because he wasn't in prayer. He wasn't as close to the Lord as he thought he was. Pride and prayerlessness go together. A person who is proud and thinks that they can handle everything does not spend the time in prayer asking God's grace for the situation. Why? Because he doesn't think he needs it. And that's exactly where Peter was. And you know the story. He did fall. He did deny the Lord. He wept bitterly. In fact, he, the Bible says he cursed. A horrible time in, in Peter's life. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, you spend time every day with the Lord. You spend time. You're ready for everything. You have daily devotions. You don't, you don't try to hit devotions just once or twice a week. You, you make it a priority. Psalm 119, 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You recognize you don't have any resources in and of yourself. And uh, you, you, you cannot handle things. So you're prepared at all times. That's the source of our anger. Wounded pride due to unguarded moments. 
But there's a second truth that we need to know if we're to have victory over anger, and that is to know the restraints of anger. What, what are the restraints? If the source of our anger is our wounded pride, then how does God restrain us? How does he restrain us? Well, we're, we're given some insight into this by the words that uh, Nabal's wife, Abigail, speaks to, to David. We'll, we'll read a little bit of this, and then I want to get to the heart of it. One of the young men, verse 14, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good. And we read that. We read verses 15 and 16. He says, the men were real good to us, and uh, something's going down here. It's a problem. Now, therefore, in verse 17, no one consider what you should do. For evil is plotted against our master, against all his household. And he's such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. We can't, we can't speak any sense to him. So maybe you can do something. That's what they're saying. Verse 18, then Abigail hurried. And, and I'll just tell you, I'll paraphrase it. What Abigail does is uh, she prepares food. She gets food together. She gets um, sustenance for them. And uh, she brings them to David. She brings them to David. And she tells him, listen, I know he's a fool. I know he's a fool. But uh, you got to think this through. And we'll pick up the story because the key verses are found in verse 28 and following. So she gives him this gift. She prepares it. She goes. She humbles herself. She bows before him and uh, she asks for forgiveness. Verse 28. Now, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant for the Lord will certainly make uh, for my Lord an enduring house, meaning you, David. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you all your days. And should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And it shall come about when the Lord shall do for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and shall appoint you ruler over Israel that you will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. When the Lord shall deal well with my Lord then remember your maid servant. What, what is the heart of these verses? What is the gist of this? With these words... Abigail reminds David of who he is. David, you are the next king of Israel. And, and you're now battling the Lord's battles. It's not for you, David, to avenge your enemies. Don't you remember? God will avenge your enemies. He'll throw them out like, like a sling. And there's coming a future day when, David, you're going to sit on Israel's throne. And here's the heart of what she said. And you know what? It would be a bad thing to you. It would be a bad testimony. There would be a stain on your record if you followed through and killed Nabal and, and mass murdered all these men. You're the next king of Israel. How would that look? That would be a grief to your heart. You're going to do something that if you don't change, you're going to regret it. That's the heart of what she's saying. In other words, David, don't do anything now that you're, that's going to cause grief to you later and that you would regret. That's the heart of what she's saying. She's giving him the big picture, the perspective. About his, about his life. Think before you do this, David. Folks, now this is how the Lord restrains us. This is how, on one level, he restrains us from blowing up in anger. He reminds us that every action we take has the potential to stain our testimony forever. That's a heavy thought. In other words, there are consequences to our actions. And you know what? He often sends people 
in our path to remind us of this. A spouse who cautions us not to be hasty. You're about to do something very quickly. That's what David did. He didn't pray about this. There's no record that he prayed about this. There's no record that he said, let me think this through. This is a heavy thing to to do, to kill all these people. But no, he said, get your sword on. We're going. Often God sends a spouse who will say, let's think this through. Oftentimes he sends a pastor who warns us to go slowly. Or our friends who pleads with us to think all the issues through. Wait on the Lord. So if you want to, to keep from exploding in anger, once you recognize it's your sinful pride and unguarded moments, then think of the big picture called your testimony. There's something more important than getting your way. It's called your testimony for Christ. What kind of a testimony for Jesus Christ would you have if you let someone just have it because they got in your way? No matter what the issue is, what's the most important thing in life? Your testimony for Christ. So when you're tempted to explode with anger, remember, remember who you are. Abigail called David to remember who you are. You are the next king of Israel. The next king of Israel doesn't do this kind of stuff. And you may not be the future king of Israel. In fact, I can guarantee you're not the future king of Israel. But you know what? You have a higher calling. I have a higher calling. That's little stuff. What is the higher calling we have? We're, we're children of God, if you know Jesus Christ. That's higher than being the king of Israel. It really is. You are a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You are a citizen of the kingdom. That's, that's really big. And you represent Jesus Christ to a world that despises him and knows very little about, about him. Don't blow your testimony because your pride was hurt or your rights were violated. Let God deal with those who insult you. You know what you need to remember? And it's a, it's a tremendous thought. It only takes one explosive situation to destroy many years of a great testimony. All the things that you have built up, it takes one moment when you're out of control and all of that is burned to ashes. And you'll live to regret it. And it'll bring reproach on the name of Christ. Did David listen to Abigail? Well, let's read verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. God sends people to help us. And blessed be your, your discernment and blessed be you uh, who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hands. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would not have been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. So David received from her hand what, uh, what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up to the house, your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. David listened, and that's what we need to do. We need to listen when God sends us people who remind us of the consequences of what we're about to do. And he humbly did the right thing. He left Nabal alone and he let God avenge him. Did God avenge Nabal? Did God do what he said he would do? Verses 36 through 38 tell us, Then Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry with him for he was very drunk. So she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. But it came about in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, 
that his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him so that he became as a stone. And about 10 days later, it happened that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. The Bible doesn't say what it was, but it sounds like a stroke. It sounds like a stroke. And then 10 days later, he died, never recovered from this stroke or a heart attack or whatever. And uh, it may have appeared that just, you know, it just happened. But verse 38 said that God struck him. God avenged David and did it rather quickly. He doesn't always do it that quickly. Now, as we, as we bring things together, I'd like you to write some things down. I want to give you some very practical ways, biblically, you can deal with your, with your anger. Number one, I would suggest that you meditate on verses in the Bible that, uh, that emphasize God's grace in your life. That remind you that you are nothing apart from the grace of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I am what I am by the grace of God. So there are verses, for example, in Ephesians chapter 1 that stress all that you have because of the riches of God's grace. You have been forgiven. You have been brought into the family of God. You were chosen. All those verses that emphasize that in and of yourself, you're nothing. But by God's grace... You have whatever you have. And if, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, without Christ, you once you were separated and you were without hope. Think about that. He said you were without hope. Without hope. That is, that is a horrible, horrible situation. And so as you do that, as you meditate on those verses, then you thank God for his mercy and grace in your life. Why? Just to keep reminding yourself that you don't deserve to be treated well by anybody. You're not really something in and of yourselves that's, that's real special. You're only what you are and where you are by the grace of God. And I've told you this before. It's like the, um, the young missionary who said to the, uh, to the veteran missionary as he was coming on the field, he said, oh, pray for me as I take over that I may be nothing. And the veteran missionary said, you are nothing. Take it by faith. <laughs> that's a quick cure to pride. You are nothing. We're nothing. Think about who you are in Jesus Christ. Not that you deserve anything. You deserve hell. I deserve hell. It's all by God's grace. Secondly, each day spend time alone with the Lord. I mean each day. Make it a priority. You hear us talk about devotions, about a quiet time. Are you doing that? Many times people have problems. It can be go- it, it, you can go back to the source of those problems. That Are you spending time in, your, in the word? And are you applying the word to your life? Well, no, I'm not really doing that. And... Many counseling situations boil down to that, that if they just spent time alone with the Lord and in his word and applied his word, they wouldn't have these problems. Most problems would be taken care of that way. So each day, spend some time alone with the Lord in the word and prayer. And this is going to keep you close to him so that when those unexpected moments hit and they will hit. You're going to be prepared. What unexpected moments? Well, that waitress who gave you poor service. Or a waiter. Or how about that telephone solicitor who's called your home for the third time, always around dinner time, and uh, you just want to let him or her have it? Or how about that clerk who was rude to you? Or how about this, that person at Lakeside who walked right past you and didn't say hi? How dare they do that? Now, see, if, if you think you're somebody special, and I, and I realize people should say hi, but if you think you're someone special, you're going to be offended. You're, you're going to carry a grudge. You're going, to get, you're going to want to get back at them by not being friendly to them, this and that. When you're walking with the Lord, you don't take that as an insult. You constantly lean on the Lord so that when these things come, and, they, and I said they do come, 
you're prepared for them. Not just the big thing. We all prepare for the big things in life, knowing things that we know are coming up, but it's the little things, unguarded moments. So, so guard those moments, watch and pray. Always be ready for an insult. And then you'll respond without vengeance. Number three, you need to think through and remind yourself of the consequences of your response. Will your response to any given situation enhance your testimony for Christ or will it harm it? That's the bottom line. You need to ask yourself, if I say what I think I'm going to say or do to this person, could I turn around and minister to them? If they weren't Christians, could I evangelize them? Could I invite them to church and not be embarrassed and ask them to sit next to me? James 1.19, great verse, mark it down. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We will continue this series of lessons from the life of David on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily broadcasts are adapted from Pastor Steve's messages by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith-based ministry supported by our listeners. Visit us on the web at versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. You can order a CD or cassette with this entire message by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number and we'll return your call during regular office hours. That number again is 727-239-0306. Life is a constant series of... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.